Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 99. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the eternal student, Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about legacy. Yeah, I graduated, but I still have classes to finish. So I haven't really graduated because there's still room for me to screw it up, but I'm doing homework today. Found a problem that I know that I spent hours on a, a year or so ago, and I found it. So I saved myself a bunch of time. It was great. So what's worse, the uh, Watsy giving out uh, medals for the Pro Tour Top 8 <laughs> instead of trophies or your emailed diploma? Oh, so I wasn't even emailed the diploma. Like, I didn't check my email, uh, my school email for a while. And I opened it up and they're like, congratulations, you graduated. We're going to have an online ceremony three days ago. <laughs> Here's here's the program and i was like oh cool there's my name did you participate uh, I, I i guess that's it did you no, do I, like I a zoom call or something participate yeah i believe they had a zoom call awesome. where they congratulated everybody uh it was a nice touch so um so yeah kind of anticlimactic so what's your title now you're, you're not doctor that's like a phd right oh yeah i'm not doctor i'm Are not you doctor. master I, master tom smiley now there's no we can we could i'll just tell everybody to call me master smiley i think it's kind of creepy <laughs> that's that's more creepy than having people call you doctor when you're not really a doctor but um, true yeah it's all good like uh dr jill biden i don't know if you heard that Whoopi goldberg soundbite but it was awesome i i did not all right well how was your week bro my week was good um really busy i keep on telling myself that i'm gonna be done with playing as much of the game as i can and then I just got myself roped into like the most, the longest grind of anything that you can possibly do. So, uh, yeah, I won't be done anytime soon. Did you, what, did you start over again or something? Well, no, I didn't, I didn't start over, but I had like a, a goal of a rank that I wanted to hit and uh, told myself I was going to be done when I hit that goal. And then went one over because I was really having fun and now I'm two over. And basically you hit rank 14 uh, it unlocks a whole bunch of amazing stuff for you, and currently I'm ranked 12, but the the last ones are the hardest, so I probably got a month or so left. That's awesome, man. It sounds life changing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In uh, in the world of Warcraft, yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that's that's awesome, man. Uh, we had some feedback actually, actually kind of dated feedback. It was like two months ago. We just it wasn't on our radar. Um, McBain, the dude's name is, mm-hmm. with the with his WoW commentary that definitely made my day when James uh, sent that to us. <laughs> I um, yeah. I, I mean, I want to apologize to all of our listeners for <laughs> for relapsing back for the into mouse the clicks world of Warcraft, but uh, I'm 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 there. Yeah. So, did you get out of the house at all this week, or what? Uh, well, I mean, I I mowed the lawn. Um. I did some some like trimming and and touching up stuff with the lawn. We uh we got my kid a t-ball set, so I was oh, out sick. there showing him how to swing a t-ball a, a baseball bat. Uh, it was his third birthday. Oh, bro! Happy birthday! Yeah, yep, I was about to say. Third birthday yesterday. He uh oh, he had a great time. It's it's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. He looks so big in the pictures. Oh, he's huge. He's yep. huge. We uh we got out in uh, Acton. I met up with a couple couple confetidants up in Acton, uh, our friend Kramer that we've been talking about recently, and they ha- got they got me a going away present, man, for going to Cleveland, which was an Alpha Dark Pact, which was really sweet. I wanted to shout them out, say thank you for that. That's awesome. Now, yeah. when when is the move? When are the Ohioans gonna be graced with your presence? Uh, not until uh, July first. Okay. So there's still some time. It's just we're meeting up a lot less frequently now, so Yeah. But yeah, that was uh that was my week. That was my big event, my big going out. I heard, I heard the magic store in Lexington is opening though this week, so that's pretty cool. Nice. Yep. Uh I, I don't but I don't think that I've ever been there. Uh is that what Batter Up turned into? Or is Batter Up in another city? It's hit and run. I don't hit, know if that's called Sorry, hit, called hit and run. That's the that's the story. Yeah, it is hit and run. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's gonna open and have the tables stacked too deep 
so you're you're playing across like you know they're the, like cafeteria sized tables normally but mm-hmm. it's like back to back so you're you each have your own table okay so you know we'll see what happens but i might go there thursday night see how it's going but just playing online for the time being i think uh Dude, have you seen Connor Fulce since he came on our episode, how he's how he's doing in the Legacy Leagues? Well, I've seen a bunch of his lists posted, and I know that we had the group chat where you were just like, he's absolutely demolishing it. And then I looked at the results, and I was like, whew, on fire. Is there like a, like a dead format effect? Yeah, dude. So usually we see like uh, top of the leaderboard, it's usually like EW Landon or Lewis CBR, right? You're used to seeing these certain names at the top. Sometimes Tom Hep. Eight trophies for Connor Foles. I believe second place is uh, four trophies. So he's doubling up, consistently Oof. doubling up the next place. Absolutely crushing it with a bunch of different decks too. Uh, he sent around like three deck lists. I think when he was playing the Esper uh, Astrolabe Orion deck, like the mm-hmm. Him deck, he... Started out like 12-0 and 0 with that deck and two trophies. Then switched decks for... I don't know why you switch decks when you're 12-0, but apparently that's what he's doing. And then right away, just 5-0 with a plug list. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic, man. Obviously, he's hitting his groove, and uh, we we should take a little credit for that, I think. Yeah, us in the Legacy Pit. Legacy Pit yeah, Legacy was a warm-up. We were, we were just getting him dialed in, and now he's 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 good to go. The spirit of legacy Brad Pitt lives in him. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, I, I've also been uh, racking in trophies in a Coria draft. I'm up to 20 now from, from a paltry four, like, two weeks ago. I was really struggling in this format. You finally I, found your groove? Yeah, but I just wanted to say real quick, for anybody who hasn't played this limited format, I know, like, obviously pre-release was canceled in most of the country. Uh it's not the greatest limited format, but I think the effect companions have is super interesting, man, because they'll incentivize you to do dumb shit like only draft odd-numbered cards or even-numbered cards or only draft creatures, right? Mm-hmm. Or tribal or singleton. You know you know how they are. So you do this weird shit, and then you end up with these decks that look terrible, but you have this eighth card in your hand. So, you know, it's it's worth it but you think you'll probably not do that great and yep. sometimes you just fucking crush like it's not even close dude like the Luris decks i've drafted look so bad because they have no big creatures at all right no bombs like you're passing all these voracious sharks and all this the crazy shit that you'd normally play and then you just crush people so it really kind of makes you think differently about draft because it's like wow i just played 23 creatures and 17 lands and i didn't even need removal i just sick 306 would you know yeah it, it must it must be strange sitting next to a companion drafter sort of trying to get an idea of what's what's going on and yeah. like seeing seeing cards being passed that you're like how how the hell did this ever make it this far because of the deck building restrictions yeah man that that does happen quite a bit actually like I, i've seen like uh Jirudas get passed pretty long i mean even if you don't consider it as a companion it's just like a bomb of a card to put mm-hmm. in your deck yep but like if somebody's drafting obosh like they can only have odd odd cards so it is pretty wild like i do i do really enjoy this format for its uniqueness i guess i'd say about what percentage of people who you've played against have actually drafted companion decks. So once you're once you're in the winners bracket, like one oh two L, yep. It's about fifty percent. Okay. But it's overall it's less. But like when you're two oh, if hypothetically you get paired with more two O's at that point, it's definitely over fifty percent at that point. Okay. But I would say probably one third of of my decks between one third and half of my decks have companions one third of them are like fully companion decks and then sometimes you'll get lutri or giganta where there's very minimal requirements and you'll just put it in yep that makes sense yep so yeah dude i've been enjoying the format i played a pre-release on zoom with our buddy and 
he inspired me actually with Parcel Beast because I had two in my pool and he had three in his pool. And I swear to God, I wasn't cheating. And I really don't think he was cheating. You know who he is. Like, I, I trust the guy's integrity, even though his deck was pretty, pretty absurd. But mm-hmm. he seemed convinced that Parcel Beast was legacy playable. And do you know what Parcel Beast is? No, I absolutely do not. So the card as it's written is two blue green for a two four elemental that has pay one and tap to look at the top card of your library if it's a land you can put it into play otherwise put it in your hand okay so not a playable card on its face but it's got mutate for blue green so on turn two you can mutate it onto something and provided you have three mana you can use its ability that turn so it's sort of like a dark confidant right Oh, okay. I mean, you're, you're, sure, you're paying a mana instead of losing life. Yeah, you're paying and a mana. it can kind of ramp you if it's a land. And you're opening yourself up to getting two for one by a removal spell. Not really, though, because if you cast it when you can when you can use it, you are getting one for one because you'll get an activation out of it. But uh, How does mutate work with a stack? Can so, If you mutate, can somebody kill it in response? The creature it's mutating onto? Then you just get the creature, so that's actually usually pretty good. Oh, okay. So, okay. Wow. It wouldn't have, like, the haste, so you couldn't activate it right away. Yep, but you get to cheat, you get to, like, cheat on the mana cost if that happens. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, it's really not the worst. So what I did was, Nate and I have been talking about this Kahira deck for a while, which is the companion that makes you play all cats, beasts, and elementals. Yep. As, like, like an elemental... Uh, yeah. extension to the old elemental deck exactly the voice of resurgence risen reef deck yeah so what i did was i put in the problem with the elemental deck the kihira deck is you don't have a dork like you can't play hierarchy you can't play birds so you kind of have to play vile yeah but that doesn't synergize with parcel beast so what i did was i went grazer uh if you remember our boy little grazer it's a 03 for green that lets you play an yeah, extra land you put a put a hand in uh, land in from your hand yeah and yep. dude, the, the games where I went turn one Grazer into turn two Parcel Beast activate, I was decking myself on, on turn six, seven, eight. Yep. It, like, it was insane. Like, having a Parcel Beast on turn two, then into Risen Reef, was just that off to the races. Seems crazy. Yeah, because Risen Reef puts lands into play too. So I would have like 15 lands in play on turn six, and basically just trying to figure out a way to kill them before I decked myself. Okay, so maybe maybe we missed something. I'm still not going to go... I, I don't think it's good enough, but it, it yeah. has been a lot of fun playing it online. Okay. So, I, yeah. I can see how that could definitely be fun, especially playing cards like that. Uh, and I don't know. If I, ever played, if I ever played against that deck online and lost, I would feel, I would feel <laughs> very, very sad about my life. Yeah, dude. So... <laughs> Have you been following like the the larger magic news this week? Oh yeah, uh, I saw you retweeted Austin Bertsovich or whatever his name. So is. the everything that happened, I just shook my head at, thinking like this is the worst thing that Watsy could have done, <laughs> and they're screwing up organized play more than they've screwed up legacy, and I. I mean, I don't know what to, to say except to, like, shake my head and just think that, like, there could have been so many better fixes to the situation, like, before this happened. And then they dealt with the situation, like, the worst possible way that they could have. Do you, do you want to fill everybody in who hasn't been, like, in touch with the Magic Twitter sphere about what happened and, uh, and why this player got banned? I can try. So basically, I only follow maybe five people from the pro scene on Twitter anymore, yep. which is it's just like Reed Duke, you know, people that I respect, I guess. And I, I also follow Austin Bursevich. I don't know the guy at all, but he has like the hottest takes, so I've, I've stayed following him. Yep. He is number one in the world in ELO, and he's top aided, I want to say, the last two pro tours. Top aided the last two pro tours grand prix top 16 no sorry maybe he finished 17th but like his last four events were 
were insane finishes. Um, yeah. He finished just below the cutoff for the revisions to the 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 Magic Online League, the rivals, and and everything that's going on with that. So, absolutely on fire has crushed competitive Magic. With the coronavirus, Wizards changed the structure of the tournament series, the prize payouts of the tournament series, and basically deleted everybody that didn't get to a certain point threshold. And with all of his events and the season not being over, he was just below that. So, like, before all of this happened, like, this is somebody that probably, with the old system, would have been a platinum like yeah. Platinum Pro Couldn't the miss. next year would have locked it in and uh, and just had all of that deleted along with $3 million in prize money for the tournament series that Wizards sort of took back. Like, yeah. this was my the my take after, after sort of like hearing about it. Obviously, the coronavirus changed a bunch of stuff, but why didn't Wizards say, okay, we're putting everything on hold. We're going to pause it right here. All the tournaments that we had leading up to this point are still going to count. You're not going to lose any points. We're not going to take any prize money away. Our contracts for our players are only for a year long. So so here's what we're going to do. We are going to extend their contract. And we're going to have like an extra bonus season right now. From right now to when everything is back to normal. So we can resume what all of these players who are grinding those events invested so much time and effort and money into getting these points to qualify for the next season. I mean, like, that just seems like the only fair thing to do. And instead, they just sort of said, okay, we're going to shorten the season. It's cut off now. Um, and all of these people are screwed. So, I, I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, that's before I heard about what actually happened after. Yeah, it does seem pretty jacked up how that worked out. I'm not big on the specifics, but what you're saying sounds like approximately what I knew. So it's not that I care about Austin specifically or any any GBT grinder barnacle turd out there right now, but like I think what Austin represents is like that sort of money draft mentality, like that that person you'd see at, at the old Grand Prix money drafting at, you know, one AM or whatever. Yep. Like he's very much that shark type of, of player from what I understand and what I know about him. Like a old school not not old school the format, but like a old school pro player, like in the that sort of shell, right? Like that Dave Williams, John Finkel sort of shell, that mold, right? And this is a very symbolic act in my opinion, like a sort of breaking with the past. When you take the the number one Elo player riding a heater who streams magic and is, you know, top eight of the last two pro tours and just ban him for life. When you've given Jared Betcher like an 18 month ban or whatever, you know, what all the crazy bullshit they've done to just now, ban can, him for life. Can we uh, tell everybody why he got banned? Because this is like, this is the biggest bullshit thing ever. I guess it's for not ratting. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, when Wizards organized play changed up to this online, like, uh, contract-driven thing, um, they have their, their, like, set players that are in that league. And they told all of them two weeks early that the Pro Tour was being rescheduled, that it was going to be on Magic Arena, and it was going to be standard. They didn't tell this to anybody else. So, obviously, the people that are in that league tell their friends... And somebody who wasn't in that league found out about it, put it on Twitter, and because they wouldn't give up the name of the person that told them, got banned from Magic. Like, Wizards gives this information out to people that puts them at a huge competitive advantage. And this person just puts that information on Twitter, which in my mind, like... That's what somebody should do. It's like getting banned for not cheating, right? Uh, okay. I mean, I don't want to say... Because like, uh, he had a competitive advantage at the time when he knew the information and didn't share it with the world. I, I mean, sure. I, I can definitely agree with that. 
But I think putting it online was the right thing to do. And because he didn't rat out the person that told him, he got banned for life. Like, this this is absolutely insane. This is not like leaking a full set like the magic judges who got banned. This is basically just pointing out the ineptitude of Wizards' organized play. And then after the ban came down, pointing out the ineptitude of Wizards organized play, it's like, it's a it's a mess. And yeah. whoever decided that, that was a good idea to do that is the worst at their job. And I I wouldn't want to be one of those people that was investing a future into magic. I just it's it's not it's not anything that you would want to be a part of anymore. No, it's definitely pretty bad, man. And I, I feel for this guy. I don't know him personally or anything, but pretty awkward. But we should probably get to Legacy now that we're at the twenty minute mark. Oh, I know. Like the, our the listeners are probably wizards can't. They try, but they can't ruin as badly as they can other formats. Yeah. Well, so this week we're we're doing like a traditional episode, like our our results episode, and it's really been. A return to to normalcy right like a return to tradition we've had uh all these weeks of messed up meta with luris and everything crazy wacky lame duck results and you know when when the coronavirus first hit there was this thing with china where people were saying oh you can see the stars in beijing or you know all this sort of nature was returning when I was at work the other day, there was someone fishing in the Charles, and that's fucking disgusting. Nature has not rebounded to that level yet. The, to be fair, the Charles has made an amazing recovery in the last 20 years. That's like... what I've heard, but <laughs> I'm not going swimming in it. That's there, true. Nor fishing in it. Motherfuckers like fly fishing. I don't know what he's trying to catch, but besides coronavirus, I guess. But basically, the way that the environment healed with the pandemic it kind of reminded me a little bit of the legacy results this week we're seeing a blossoming right in the, in the results we're seeing a return to like uh infect we saw show up again at the top tables we saw all, all these decks that have been held down like a depth deck with nothing weird like just pithing needles and like the you know these sort of like traditional staples of legacy that you think of slowly coming out you know making themselves uh making themselves known again yep so yeah man the challenge on saturday you want to get into it yeah let's do it all right the challenge on saturday was won by four color yorion uh which was blue white red green I have here yellow, blue, white, green. I don't know why. But basically, this is cool user. And we expected that Yorion would be the most popular companion in yep. the post-Luris world. And this does, you know, starting out with this Yorion deck does sort of seem like, oh shit. But in total... Just as quick spoiler, there were only five total Yorion decks in this top 32, so it's not like Luris levels of fucked. I think this meta is like one step ahead of what we were talking about, where Yorion Snow would be the uh, the go-to deck yeah. week one. Right. And I think if you take a look at what happened in this tournament, there are a lot of decks that are sort of trying to trying to play through that. Like yeah. um, Connor last week talked about Dredge. There's a Dredge deck in the top eight. Yeah. Um, people were talking about Storm as a as a counter to that deck, and there's a lot of Storm. Yeah. Um, there's lots of strange things that you see where you can just envision the card choices being slanted toward playing against that deck. Yeah. So this Yorion deck by Cool User is pretty typical, like three Okos, one Teferi, one Narset, four Abundant Growth, four Astrolabe, counterbalances and terminuses. Which seems to be the way that the non-black Yorion deck has gone, like the four-color non-black deck. The other one's like the Dead of Snow deck, and this is like the Terminus Miracles deck. Yep. So that, yeah, there's nothing, there's no card choices in here that I think really need to be highlighted. It's basically just like the uh, the old four-color Miracles deck, but updated for 80 cards. Yeah, the Abundant Growth 
like I, I know that they're trying to be able to fix their mana and, and sort of dig a little bit deeper and have extra cantrips to count toward the eighty cards. But I I just wouldn't I wouldn't have ever imagined that that card would have been legacy playable. Yeah, well, I mean, outside of Enchantress, right? I don't think even Enchantress played it. Enchantress played um, just the extra mana, not the mana fixing. Oh, right. right. Like they were playing Wild Growth and the Ice Age version of Wild Growth. I can't remember what it is. No, it's um, just Wild Growth. Wait, what? It's just Wild Growth. Really? I thought that there were two. Oh, never mind. No, it's just different art. But oh, okay. Um, yeah. So there. Maybe, maybe it does play Abundant Growth too, but I think that it was mostly playing wild growth and am i thinking of the wrong card I the think card maybe, that i'm yeah. thinking of cantrips and it makes a land just tap for any color that's abundant growth yeah okay the the other one that enchantress plays it's a green enchantment when it comes into play you choose a color and it right wild i'm grows sorry for yeah. that color i can't yeah. remember what that's called you're right yep um so this one is the one from like I want to say like Dragon's Maze. It's like Ravnica Block, yeah. Not, oh, I think it's some, the first Ravnica. Some time back around there, yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, second place, uh, Ator 92. So this is going to be significant for a couple of reasons because Ator top aided both events, the both challenges. But this is mm-hmm. Rug Delver, but it's Giganta in the sideboard, if you notice that. So yeah. the thing with Giganta is you can't play dual mana costs, right? And yep. in this main deck, there are four Force of Wills and two Force of Negations. So when I first heard Giganta Rug Delver, I was like, oh shit, this is an adjustment to the no combo meta where you're going to just have your Force of Wills in the sideboard. But that's not what this is. This is just a Rug Delver deck in game one. But if you're boarding out your forces, you can become Giganta. And in the sideboard, we see two Tarmogoyfs, one Sylvan Library. And then, you know, blasts and grudges and volleys, like the, the typical Rug Delver sideboard stuff. Mm-hmm. But the Tarmogoyfs are, I think, a shout out to the fact that you're boarding out more cards than usual in this situation. Yeah, I mean, that's just strange to me. I um, I just, I, I find that maybe, maybe this player just plays Rug way different than I would. I hardly ever board out all of them. Well, yeah, and, that's funny. That's the conversation I was trying to get to was the difference between when we play Rug, um, like, or, or I guess Blue Decks in general. I don't usually, I usually keep like one force, but um, boarding out all the forces, like four forces and four force negations, that does seem a little severe to me, but with the payoff of having a Giganta, like an eighth card in your hand. But is that is that like a payoff though? Like you, you have an eighth card... But you're you're playing a, a nineteen land wasteland deck and you're looking to cast a five drop. Like that that doesn't that doesn't seem good to me. Like it's nice, it's there, like great for this person for trying, but it it still seems really bad to me. I can see where if you know your sideboard plans and you expect to see a deck where you're taking out all your forces for sure, like I would against Death and Taxes, for example. Like I expect to see a lot of Death and Taxes. Now the problem with that plan is... You're never going to get the five mana to cast Exactly, yeah. I wouldn't expect to be casting a five mana spell against them. So I mean, maybe it's like... Maybe it's like there to overload Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exiles against uh, Urian because you're not going to be firing off your Wastelands... Yeah, but I, I just I don't know. And the other thing about it is, if you reveal it, then they know you're not playing forces, so they don't have to worry about it. So that hidden information aspect is what I'm really worried about, and why I don't think I would play it. Yeah, because you're just saying I, to your opponent, "I don't have any force of will," so you don't even have to think about it. Yeah, I I just from a strategic like overview standpoint don't like it because i don't really think it's what the deck is trying to do i would be i would be interested to see how this evolves whether or not more people try it um but i don't think that i would want to go there at all yeah it is pretty funny though i was thinking how when i was saying that i thought rug delver would be a good choice for this week i was thinking about like stifle low to the ground rug delver 
Mm-hmm. And this is putting Gigantha in your deck is like the complete opposite end of that rug. I mean, they don't have Uro in this deck, which would be like also the complete opposite end. Mm-hmm. But this is just trying to get big, right? This is a, a very big rug Delver deck. It's four it's Delvers, not, four Arcanists, two It's Arcanist, not really big. Angels. Well, this it's three like, Okos. Sure, there's three Okos, but like, I mean, Oko is a ridiculous card. That's still not getting big, right? Like, it's not the stifle one drop, two drop version. This deck has three, three drops. Um, everything but it's not else big in- compared to a, a mid-range deck is what you're saying. Yeah, and I guess yeah. it's big compared to Stifle Rug Delver lists, yeah. but this is more of that um, like traditional mid-range good stuff rug. Right. So, I, I just don't know. I don't like it. Um, maybe somebody can tell me why I'm completely wrong, but I just, I don't think it fits and I don't like what it does to the, I don't like what it does to the deck. I do think it's interesting, but I, I'm not sold on it by any means, no. Uh, third place though, Scuttle Spike. This is crazy. Scuttle Spike, spoiler alert, top eight of both challenges with this blue black fairies deck, fairy ninja deck, whatever with you want to call it. Ornithopters. But no retrofitter foundry. Like we've yeah, seen I... like this sort of consensus fairy ninja deck, right? Which was like this retrofitter foundry build. And this is just like good, honest. It's almost like a blue black Delver, right? Uh, yeah, I had seen, um, I had seen this almost exact list before. I, I think I saw it without Retrofitter Foundry as well. I, I thought I saw like a newer version in a league a few weeks ago, and uh, I never thought that it would be something that I would want to play competitively, like the ornithopters in it obviously they have a decent amount of synergy with the rest of the deck but like sleeving up that card just doesn't seem like what i want to do in legacy um but this person's performance over over the last two tournaments is like maybe we need to pay attention to it so yeah i I mean i've never played this deck so maybe i should it's got to be pretty cheap on moto honestly i mean there's four force of wills yeah, I don't but, know how cheap uh, cards like Yukiro are. I, like, I don't know what the market is like for the Commander cards that only got released online in the decks. Right. Maybe they've, they've been in chests. And, I'm sure, um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's not bad. But yeah, this is obviously pretty wild, and I'm going to keep an eye on it. I, I mean, we're not seeing like grixis control sort of decks like the decks that you'd really think would prey on this deck like stoneblade grixis control sort of hyper removal mid-range decks yeah we're seeing like delver and the snow decks that are really yorion dirtling right now so maybe this is a good spot we we also see infect i don't know if it's in this challenge or the other challenge so maybe there is sort of a a spot where you can get through with these high payoff squishy creatures right Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I like. Obviously, Infect is a really powerful deck, and it hasn't really found its like position in the meta when everything's settled down to like here's the best deck, because it's been Grixis and Rug for quite a while. I guess everything is kind of opened up enough now to where people are trying things like this Yukiro deck, but Infect is still really powerful. It's fairly linear. And those decks always seem to do a little bit better when everybody else hasn't really found out what they want to right. do yet. True. So it's a good point. Yeah, that could be what's what's going on here. Also, what I like about this deck with with ninjas, it's like twenty two creatures, and they're all small creatures. So you think about like flooding the board, but this deck doesn't really flood the board. What it does is it caches in its creatures for, you know, like you swing and you get a different creature in play that draws a card. So you don't ever get really blown out by Wraths, which is what mm-hmm. I've noticed playing against it. Yep. Is like they at the most have two threats on board. So and then they've usually sort of drawn a card, like Strixish drawn a card when they came into play, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe it is good against Terminus and if no people aren't playing, you know, these six to eight spot removal decks, maybe this is a good spot. It could be. I mean, there there are a few Yukiro decks. Like, 
I think we're going to talk later about the Yukiro death and t- sorry, um, Orion death and taxes. Yeah, that is, that is playing quite a bit of spot removal, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So fourth place, you mentioned this for Mario playing Dredge, pretty typical Dredge list. Uh, one Ox, one Hogak. I think pretty much what we'd expect to see at this point. Fifth place, uh, very tight. This is Inf INF playing uh, Ant. Very tight ant list with two past in flames, one tendrils, one ad nauseum, one wish claw talisman. Sort of a throwback list, like none of this crazy echo of eon stuff. Obviously, breach is banned now, but seems to be like a more settled list, leaving in the Solaris meta, right? Mm-hmm. Back to four thoughts to use for duress. So, like a typical ant list, what we'd think of. Yeah, and no wish claw talisman. Or just one yeah one okay so then sixth place twin mtg playing gigantha rug so obviously this is something that people must have been talking about <sighs> this is a little different because there are three clothes shout out to tom cairns for always putting that card in his rug deck but two clothes in the main deck and one uro in the main deck so this really is as big as rug delver can get mm-hmm. i would say and Obviously, these two players entered with Gigantha Rug, and they came in the top eight. So there's got to be at least some novelty, some sort of brewer's advantage to it. I, I don't know what to say, but yeah, I just I don't know about Clothis either. Oh, you don't like Clothis? I mean, no. <laughs> I've never liked it as much as as Tom has or some other people have, <laughs> but I've I've always thought of it as a, a pretty great sideboard card. Um. It, it sort of eats graveyards like uh very slowly against like value decks not not like reliably like against a reanimator or something but mm-hmm. it, it it used to piss me off when it got compared to death right but it is a very hard to interact with card i mean it's an indestructible enchantment wait 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 you said you used to be pissed when it got compared to death right are you about to say that like what are you about to say no, I'm just saying it's more like Vortex, really. Okay. Or like Scoos, I guess. Like Scoos or Vortex. Okay, I can I can get behind that a little bit more. I just three mana three mana is a lot yeah. for an effect that is like very very minimal. And maybe it's, maybe I'm underrating this card a lot, but I don't like it. It's super hard to interact with. And like we talked about the problem with True Name being that Uro just invalidates it by swinging and gaining three a turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, this card can invalidate Uro because you can s- like slowly drain his food so they, they can't recast him once you do deal with it once, you know? I mean, how are you dealing with it once with this deck? Are, are you just like making it a food? I, I guess double making bolt. It a, making it an elk? Yeah, make it an elk or, or double bolt. Are your your ways really? Yeah, I mean, you double bolt a euro. You're probably not winning that game. Uh, if you have Clothis, though, it, it it can it can you can if you time it right, you can just eat it right away. But anyway, seventh place, Shirosuki with Eldrazi Aggro. This is no no cute shit. No once upon a time. This is just like throwback to old Grixis Delver days. Eldrazi Aggro. Yep. Black, I mean, there hasn't there, the Eldrazi decks that have been performing well lately, were really just the old like straight up beat down versions with nothing, nothing fancy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's it's there again. So. Yeah. And then eighth place, Vaka. This is another Yorian deck. This is the version with black. There's him to Turoks, and, I guess no Dead of Winter actually. But this is. You know, just a four-color black Snowco deck. Yep. Is it is it weird to you that the four-color black Snowco deck isn't playing Sylvan Library, but the other one is? Like, yeah. I I would have felt like if you were playing an eighty-card shell with this color combination and like the creature suite and the planeswalkers and all of that, that you would want to play some number of Sylvans because that card just seems super powerful when you're digging with um with a deck size of 80 but dude absolutely i i, I co-sign that for sure it has no synergy with Orion, but 
I mean, what what do you really need, right? Right. Like I I feel like the the synergies with Orion in this deck are like kind of down kind of downplayed because you're only playing ten creatures. You're not like you're not trying to max out on your number of Strix effects. You're still only playing four, um, and uh, and the, this deck just might want like an extra value engine like Sylvan, um, because the Orion is kind of like it's kind of minimized in this shell, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So so overall, there wasn't a ton of... There, there were a lot of uh, decks we haven't seen in a while in the top 32, but nothing nothing too crazy like that ninja list we talked about. Yep. So overall, five Urians, three Gigantas, and one Gyruda in this top 32. Yep. So a more healthy companion count, right? Oh yeah, I mean def- definitely a more healthy count than the week before. I don't, I don't think anybody expected it to be as pronounced as it was before the banning. So uh, it seems like it's on a more balanced level right now for sure. So what do you think about Orion? Like we talked about this last week with Connor and a little bit in our chat and stuff and. I thought that Orion, I guess selfishly because it's the one that interested me the most, but I thought it wasn't the worst design of a companion. Like, uh, it seemed like a lot of people don't like playing against the deck and that that might be the problem for it. Like, it's not fun or or whatever. But what what do you think about this, this level of companion infiltration? Like, do you find this acceptable or do you think that they should take action? Oh, no, I found the results from from this week fine. Like, if they printed Companion and, and uh, this was the beginning of those decks seeing play, mm-hmm. like, I, I wouldn't say that the, com- the Companion mechanic was, like, super broken. I'd say, all right, no, this is fine. It's a new mechanic. Uh, it's seeing play in a new style of deck that is definitely novel. And I don't think anything is broken with what is going on right now. So if we could sort of, like, delete what we saw with um, the other two that were banned, I think this is this is reasonable and fine, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, on to the Sunday challenge. First place, I might talk to him about getting him on as a guest next week, uh, if you're cool with that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Wait, Mike- next, next week? That's a big... That is a big week, yeah. Okay, you know what? No, we can still do next week. We'll just call it like 99.A. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll figure something out. We'll, talk about we'll sidebar this, uh, this conversation, but basically... Do, do, we, do we have any friends in common with this with this person? Do we have anybody who can sort of like nudge nudge them into coming on the cast? I know them. I'm friends oh, with Oh, yeah, them. you drafted them. That's right. You went down yeah. there. You went down there. Yeah, we were boys, man. We played a lot of ping pong together. So I, I still talk to him from time to time online. But Mike Braverman, the the lost Braverman, not not Phil from Brainstorm Show, mm-hmm. but two-time SCG Invitational Top 8 competitor, Michael Braverman. Oh, this is not the Brainstorm Show Braverman. No. Oh, I'm this disappointed. Is... <laughs> I don't think Phil's playing much magic. He he said he played some vintage recently, but uh, Mike Braverman playing De- Orion Death and Taxes, bro. This is this is hilarious because you put Orion in Death and Taxes, and it becomes an eighty card deck, right? But then you look at this deck list, and it doesn't look like an eighty card deck. It just looks like Death and Taxes, with the exception of three path to exiles when you don't normally see zero maybe one and yep. 19 and four covered recruiter yeah like it it's like somebody took their white box yes and they just put all their cards in the same deck and i love yeah. it it's great yeah. because a lot of it's like bullets so basically instead of choosing which bullet you want between hollow spirit keeper or mirror crusader or you know, a second palace jailer. You just play all, all of them, right? Yep. So there's no card in here where you're like, wow, I've never seen that in Death and Taxes before. They're all cards that have been in Death and Taxes. It's just all of them together. 
And I think that's awesome. Yeah, oh, I absolutely do too. I think that if this is what your Ryan does, I'm super happy with it. Like, yeah, th- this is great. This this is a success for the mechanic, um, or a success a successful implementation of I think what Wizards was trying to do with this mechanic. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, and really uh, pretty sweet. Two palace jailers, maybe never seen that before, but overall just looks like death and taxes to me and clearly did pretty well. Like the the lack of consistency from having less ports and wastelands, like fewer ports and wastelands per card, per capita or whatever. Yep. Uh seemed to be fine. Fewer Yeah, years. I mean like the effectiveness of wasteland has definitely been like dropping recently. True. true. So it's not really all about that anymore. I think the, um, I don't know, the, the extra. I'm not sure where you're going. I, I like the fact that you can increase your toolbox size while also increasing your value engine size. With like, you have extra enter the battlefield triggers because you're playing more palace jailers and recruiters. And you also have still have your Stoneforge package and things like that. Yeah. And you're able to play all of the bullets main deck that you would want to play. So even though you have that 80-card deck size, I, I still really like what this is trying to do. Yeah, I, and I like that we're seeing Stoneforge pop back up, which is something we haven't yep. seen for a long time. Yep. So second place, and I'm going to shout out real quick, also I believe eighth place, because these are the two Rug Delver lists in this top eight, mm-hmm. and they're not Gigantha decks. And eighth place, second place was, let me get the name, oh, Zio Francone. And 8th place is Ator again, who we mentioned playing the... The Gigantha deck the Gigantha day before. Gigantha deck last... Yeah, the day before. And on Sunday, he'd switch to Brazen Borrower in the main and no and Life from the Loam in the main and no Gigantha in the sideboard. Yeah, I think he, he realized <laughs> what I had said earlier about how I don't like that deck at all and decided to switch it. Even yeah. after winning, uh, or finishing whatever he finished, yeah. So um, I'm glad that he listened to our cast and uh, and decided to switch it the next day. Yeah. So I'm not going to take this as, as like uh, you know saying Gigantha is totally invalid or anything, but it is sort of a, a subtle indication in my in my estimation that they weren't terribly impressed with it. Yep. Third place, misplaced ginger playing uh, an Astrolabe Yorion deck. This is uh, the Terminus version. Fourth place, again, the Blue Black Ninjas deck we talked about. Fifth place, Infect, Fenris Cloud, playing Infect. The list looked pretty typical to me. It's with the Great Sable Stag sideboard plan. Yeah. Uh, one Spell Skite, which is something we saw in the Luris when, when we did see Infect in the Luris days, but apparently hanging out still baron of bacon in sixth place with an esper vile deck so it's kind of cool to see esper vile come out the other side of this and people still playing it oh, yeah um good i i felt like of all of the decks that people would experiment with Orion, that this deck would be it and i'm surprised that this deck isn't a Orion deck to be honest me too man because you know you, you go up to four soul herders and everything else is just tutor package right yeah and like it, it all gets value when you flicker it, like, maybe meddling mage doesn't get value when you flicker but could, being yeah. able to reset a meddling mage seems seems really good too yeah so yeah definitely man i, I was actually assumed it was a Orion deck when i first saw it but it's not just yep. a tight Esper Vile deck. Uh, seventh place, Sandy Dog playing uh, Gyruda combo deck. And eighth place we already talked about, which is that Ator Rug Delver deck. Uh, real quick, I want to say tenth place is a Bug Lands deck that has a Gigantha in the sideboard, similar to the way a Rug Lands deck would. But the reason it's Bug is because it has three Abrupt Decays in the main. Uh-huh. And they are playing the the bug triome, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like it's it still lands. It's so very similar. Yeah, like you you drop the red cards anyway. 
Yeah. Like you, um, I guess you didn't drop Gamble. You you dropped the Punishing Fire package like a while ago. So, um, yeah. 25th place, our boy Adam playing a deck. Dude, was it shared? Was Connor's Delver deck shared in our Discord? Because this, I'm pretty sure this is just Connor's Delver deck. Uh, it was. Connor posted it. Okay. Somebody had asked about it. And, Sweet. Uh, and he posted it. Yep. So, yeah, this is this is Connor's four-color non-black Delver deck, which is basically just Rug Delver with plows. Mm-hmm. And Adam took it to a 25th place finish, so nice job. And then in 31st, bro, mm. what do you think of this deck? Oh, yeah, we're all the way down to 31st. Wingser of North Carolina with Yorion World Gorger Dragon. But, like... Okay, it's not just World Gorger combo. Like this is like, like shardless. I don't want to say shardless bug. Uh, this is like a shardless bug esque deck with a one of World Gorger Dragon and uh, some ways to find it. Right, like not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what Shardless, or what World Gorger kind of was, though, right? It was like a mid-range deck with the combo thrown in. Okay. So yep. now you just have more room for more mid-range stuff. So it's basically just, like you're saying, like a bug mid-range deck. But now yeah, I with guess, all the bug mid-range cards. And I guess you are absolutely that, right. Because that, that World Gorger deck definitely could, like masquerade as Grixis control and just kill people out of nowhere yeah and i think i actually like this better that the combo doesn't take up as much of a percentage of the deck exactly as did before exactly. so like you can more regularly play your value plan and then you your your combo is a little bit more powerful because it's not as much of a focal point as your deck of your deck exactly so, bro yeah so yeah, I did think that was kind of interesting because it's definitely something I hadn't thought of. It is. It absolutely is. Cool, man. So those are the challenges. This challenge, the the Sunday challenge, had six Urions, two Gigantas, two Gyrudas. So basically the same sort of proportion as this the Saturday challenge. And I mean, personally, I can I can definitely live with this, but... I'm not as bothered by Orion as some people seem to be. Mm-hmm. So on to the deck dump, man. First time, long time. Yeah, we're, I'm so excited. <laughs> I uh, I can't wait to discuss every deck that you want to talk about. There are a lot. So they did the cutoff the this time. Dump. They did the cutoff intelligently this time, they where <laughs> where there's not like uh, half the lists are from the pre ban, half the lists are from the post ban. Yep. These are all post ban lists, and the the one that caught my eye the most was FGC playing a blue white Lutri deck. Yep. And our our friend Connor shared with us his Lutri deck, which was like Pyromancer Mentor Lutri. Yeah. This is not that. I mean, there is a mentor in the deck, but this is more like blue white miracles control sort of deck. Yep. Like there's a stone forge in here. There's all the miracles cards, you know, counterbalance, search for his Kanta. It's basically just every card you've ever seen in miracles, but only one copy of it. Okay. So pretty interesting deck. Um, I, I'm not really going to sign off on it because I don't really see the benefit. You know, like Lutri doesn't seem to pay off that well. But there are a few things that I really like that I want to talk about. One of them is Ancestral Vision. Okay. Just as a as a value one of or Yeah, well something we talked about with Connor last week was how Lutri's how Lutri's more like a uh, four or five mana spell. Mm-hmm. Because you need to cast the first spell and then cast the Lutri to copy it. Yeah. With Ancestral Vision, it goes off and you cast Lutri and you're drawing six for three mana. Okay. That seems to fit like a glove in any Lutri deck going forward. Yeah. If you're willing to like wait around for the vision that's a one of, like that's that just seems like the definition of magical Christmas land. Well, so what I was thinking was, remember 
the the one from Modern Horizons, like uh, Crash of Rhinos or something like that. Yeah, the one that you get two four fours. Yes. Yep. Now, when I was playing like a Waterfalls deck after Modern Horizons came out, mm, yep. I found that the Rhinos card I almost liked more than Ancestral Vision. So you want to do Rhinos and Vision? Yeah. So you have twice <laughs> twice as twice as nice, right? Twice the chance to hit it. Yeah. Okay. 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 So basically, that's where I'm going to go with with Rug Lutri, But this is pretty sweet. Uh, the ancestral vision idea, I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. The miracles, you know, it's, it's really not applicable for anything except temporal mastery, I guess, because you're not double terminusing. Yeah, you're not uh, double entreating. Like it's it's not going to work out. Double double temporal mastery seems kind of kind of magical christmas land too yeah it, it kind of does you're right <laughs> but it, it probably can happen yep but basically you know it's a it's a blue white control deck which is always fun and it's probably cheap to build because you only need one force of will and one force of negation yeah i mean the like there are a lot of cards that they're digging into with this deck that are that don't have a ton of price pressure on them because they're not generally played cards right so um yeah there's that true so yeah, pretty sweet. It's cool to see. Uh, next, there is a Urian Food Chain deck by Sneaky. Yep. Uh, up near the top, and I think that this deck isn't so much worth talking about as it's constructed because it's it's just a, a food chain deck basically with astrolabes and abundant growths like to to pump up for Urian. Yeah. And much like the Death and Taxes deck we talked about before, it's just like more of the same sort of stuff that you'd expect to see. But I felt it was worth mentioning because I feel like these decks, Food Chain and Allurin, really lend themselves to Yorion. And I hadn't thought about them before, but they play a lot of ETB creatures and they're tutor package sort of decks. So I would expect these decks to just be Yorion decks going forward. Okay. Yeah, I, I I can definitely get behind that too. Yeah. So next is Capsula One playing Blue Red Delver, but this is like Blue Red Prowess Delver. This is four Delvers, four Swift Spears, four Sprite Dragons, four Storm Chaser Mage. And you played against Blue Red uh, Prowess, or or maybe Mono Red Prowess. It was like a Mono Red version. Yeah. This just this seems like a ton of creatures for a deck like that. I mean, maybe one of the problems with the Blue Red Prowess deck before was it like lacked the quantity of threats that you really needed so maybe 16 is the right number or um but i'm 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 not sure it seems like a lot it does kind of seem like a lot they still have 28 spells to flip delvers so i I like that part but it's like a non not a wasteland deck like these prowess decks are just 16 lands no wastelands like very low to the ground and i don't like that there's no way to get rid of extra lands like a faithless looting sort of outlet like two faithless looting or something like that just to just to pitch extra lands in case you do flub because you're not doing anything with that extra mana in this deck. There's no fire blast. There's nothing like that. Right. Next, uh, I just want to shout out Connor again with the Esper Orion deck that we talked about before. Four Strixes, <clears throat> four Snapcasters, two Mentors, two Plague Engineers, yep. Hymns, Dead of Winters. It's really just like like an Esper control deck with eight Planeswalkers. And a ton of spot removal. And he he said he tore up leagues. He was like 12-0 with this list, he said. So really pretty nice. Yeah, good for good for Con. I'm glad that he went on a roll. Yeah. Um and I hope he keeps it up. It's it's great to see. And one other deck that he mentioned when he was on last week was Hey Nong Man playing Gigantha Maverick. Uh I just I wanted to pull that up real quick because it, it's basically just the Maverick deck. You, you wouldn't notice anything different about it, but they can just play Gigantha. And that, that deck is actually a deck that can get to five pretty reliably, so I think that that's probably a good spot for the card. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it, like, it, I, I'm i much happier giving the go-ahead to a deck that um, that isn't sacrificing anything to play it. It's just the one of sideboard spot. Yeah. It, it seemed like the, the rug decks were giving up too much um, for a card that, in general, was going to be kind of difficult for their mana base to cast but maverick can definitely get to five um it provides them with a good mana sink that they always have access to 
so I, I really like it here um, where I, I really kind of dumped on it in the rug shell. Yeah, it just seems to be putting in work, you know, forecheck, backcheck, paycheck. Yep. So, <laughs> Gyruda, uh, this is crazy though. Days playing Gyruda Stompy. Have you seen this list yet? Uh, kind of. Like, I had seen, I had seen whispers about it. Um, but this is the first time I actually saw it published. All right. I'm just going to read it for people. Four Oriac Salvagers, four Thought Not Seers, three Walking Ballista, four Karn the Great Creator, four Chalice of the Void, four Lotus Petal, four Urza's Bobble, three Defense Grid, three Lion's Eye Diamonds, three Mox Opal, three Wishclaw Talisman, uh, one Ancient Den, four Ancient Tomb, four Cavern of Souls, four City of Traitors, Marsh Flats, Plains, Scrubland, Swamp, Caracas, and Gyruda in the sideboard. Yep. So it's like Gyruda Bomberman. Yeah, I so I really I really like that Thought Not Seer is seeing more play as like a like a standalone threat outside of the just regular Eldrazi shell that we used to see it in. Mm-hmm. I think that card just individually is so powerful that it um it was due to, to see play in, in shells like this. Um it's it's a nice sort of mashup of a deck that of a deck that seemed kind of like a one-trick pony. Like, we talked about how the old Garuda decks really kind of folded to Force of Will. Like, they have Defense Grid, but um, it's tough in Game 1s to... You don't have it Game 1, and mulliganing to Force of Will is something you're just going to do if somebody reveals a Garuda. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that this has multiple combos. I like the fact that Garuda um, isn't affected by Graveyard Hate, where the other combo is. That it sort of hedges by going two different ways with the combo yeah it's pretty sweet man like i definitely would not have thought of this deck in a million years yeah but i guess if you were a bomberman aficionado you would have known that you're really not playing any odd number spells anyway so why not jam it it's true so yeah it seems to fit like a glove honestly and if you reveal gyruda people have to assume that you're the more like all offensive all-in all combo deck. Yep. So you probably get some equity off that, too. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah, that's probably one of the huge benefits, honestly, of playing it, is you you really cause some confusion, some chaos. Yeah, I think any time your deck can present as something that it isn't, like the World Gorger as Grixis Control or this as the All-In Garuda, you you definitely gain a ton of equity. Yep. All right, bro. Well, that's the deck dump. I I honestly, I feel pretty uh, pretty white-pilled about the format right now, man. I'm looking oh, at I these mean, it's, results. It's, is, it, is it really a white-pill, though, or is it just like Stockholm Syndrome that it was so bad before? <laughs> You're like, oh, this is great. This, it, is, this is what I wanted, when in reality it's like... It still might not be great. It maybe it's not great. I don't know. I've been enjoying the games I'm playing, but I'm not playing like challenges and stuff, so it's not like hyper meta or anything. Yeah. So that that's kind of not a fair comparison to to make, but I I think that we're seeing a lot of cards come back, like Stoneforge Mystic that we hadn't seen in a while, Hinted Turok, and I I know that it was only like six weeks or something that we had the companions like in in all their luris glory Mm -hmm. but it it did kind of feel like with all the upset legacy had seen recently with like oko and and uro and everything that we were never going to get back to normal and it, it feels like spring right i mean it feels like spring outside but it feels like spring looking at these results too because we're starting to see these these cracks of the format that we love raising through the ground right i think that was beautifully put i think that i didn't know you were as poetic as uh as you just were it's not me it's a jameson okay i'm actually drinking jmo tonight too nice when i I went to the store and i was like you know what i I feel like i need to get into Anne's state of mind keto baby that That keto life (laughs) all about it so yeah bro if people want to find you on twitter you can find me at T-SmileyMTG. You can follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. 
devform at cast at gmail.com. I'm at, at Ian18125 on Twitter. Uh, send us an email, devformatcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, Discord, whatever we usually say at this part. I feel like I forgot something. No, I feel like you hit most of them. I feel like that's good. That's good. All right, bro. That's a wrap. Episode 100 next week. <laughs>